Welcome to the Draw Shops Get Genius Podcast, where we talk to today's business influencers to pick their brain and pull out their genius. It's time to get genius. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back with another Get Genius episode, and today I am speaking with a business and executive coach named Jason True. Jason is a top business and executive coach and sales trainer. He's a leading expert on human behavior, daring leadership, and relationship building. We go deep into relationship building and the importance of it and why you should be doing even more of it. Not doubting that you're not doing it now, but we're going to talk about why you should do more. At the heart of Jason's strategy is the understanding that people and your relationships are your true wealth. Everything we accomplish in life is with or through other people. So those of you who are going at it alone, we're hopefully going to change that and show you that you need other people and that most of your successes will come, if not all, are going to come because of what you're doing with other people. Jason works with experts, entrepreneurs, and executives to help get them unstuck and stand out by building key skill sets, creating their vision and purpose, and building key relationships that impact the bottom line. He has a best-selling book called Social Wealth, which is the how-to guide on building personal and professional relationships. It's sold more than 35,000 copies and has been number one in four business and self-help categories, and he'll give you some of those tips from that book during our interview. Um, he's really cool guy. Uh, there's so much that I was reminded of and that I need to be doing, which is what I love when I do these interviews, there's things that, you know, but there's things that you may not practice often enough. And maybe you do, but you just need to put like a little bit more fire into it. So, um, I thank Jason for reminding me on, on some of these things. And I think it's a very valuable interview and, um, some, some pretty cool stories and and things that, uh, have happened as a result and little things that you can think of to do next time. You only have a short amount of time with somebody that you really do want to make a connection with. So enjoy the interview. And I hope you walk away with a lot of good tips. Hey, Jason, thanks so much for doing the show today. Hey, well, thanks for having me on the show and speak to your fantastic tribe. Well, we have a lot of good stuff to talk about. Um, I'd first love to hear how you got into coaching and sales training and doing all of the amazing stuff that you do. What led you to that? Well, I guess like every entrepreneur, it's a very windy up and down road. And it started back in law school. I was interviewing for my second year internships in New York City and I prepared ahead of time. I had spoken to most of the third-year law school class, in fact, about questions to ask and what to do and was super prepared. You know, the last thing most people told me to do was just ask, you know, an easy question at the end. And, you know, at the time, I didn't realize it, but now I do. It was extremely naive, and it really changed the course of me not to practice. And I asked people, are you happy? And you think... Well, at the time, I thought that'd be an easy question for them to answer, and they could talk about, you know, why they were excited about being a lawyer in their law firm, but it pretty much caught every person off guard. I mean, like, out of the 30-some people I spoke to, it was the longest for me to ask the question, for them to pause, and then to answer. Wow. So I started to figure out after every single person does something that sends you a pretty strong signal, 
and I decided probably I needed to do something else with my life. And so I was also getting my master's in communications, and I decided to go to Silicon Valley to go work in technology. So I literally just went out there and figured it out and worked in some great startups and great companies during the gold rush. And you know, I got to work with Steve Jobs, Mark Cuban, I mean, a bunch of really well-known people at yeah. the time that were the starting businesses are coming back. And so it was pretty, pretty fun. And then... I decided to move closer to my mom who had moved from Chicago to Dallas. And, you know, I'd been through also the downturn at that point in Silicon Valley, which was pretty hardcore. Um, And I moved to Dallas and was here for a while and just worked in various companies. And I worked at Hewlett Packard for a while. And then I just was like really getting bored. I mean, and I was also having up and down success in throughout my career of doing things. And I realized after I had done, you know, gotten my own coaching, done a lot of soul searching that the reason is, is that my sort of strongest emotions and how I connect is connect through connection and belonging. And when I was working in a company and I was doing technology product launches or external things, I would have a lot of energy and be super successful at what I was doing. But when I was sitting back by myself for months at a time, everything would sort of dip. And at that point, I was like, there has to be something more than constantly riding this roller coaster out in my life. So I had decided to approach someone with a business idea of really small niche, right? Of just how to start a social life in like 30 days or less. And believe it or not, there wasn't a single book or anything out on it. And it's something that I had mastered here living in Dallas. And I was like, okay, if I've done it here and I have helped other people do it just, you know, because I was just trying to be helpful, then there has to be something out there for people. Yeah. And I started to do that as a niche and and I leveraged someone else's business because I was like, okay, it's essentially free other than my time at that point. And so it was pretty successful, but I always wanted to go and do more business things. So I, you know, decided to leave the person I was with because he really didn't want to go and do what I was doing and just started to go out on my own. And I, you know, written the book, Social Wealth. And, you know, just now I'm on this journey and I just finished doing a TED Talk and how to get coworkers to like each other. Um, So that was pretty exciting. Oh, we'll have um, to have a link to that in the yeah, in yeah. the blog post for that. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I created a game on it on how to build great relationships. And the funny thing about it is I was doing the research to figure it out. I ran across a study by Arthur Aaron, and he was trying to figure out how to build friendships really quickly. And one of the activities he did, which he's done dozens of times, and it became a famous New York Times article was getting two people to ask each other questions and they were starting off with just easy questions and then becoming much more vulnerable in at the end of 45 minutes. And this is incredible. uh, They surveyed the people before and after and 30% of the people said the relationship they just built. And this is a complete stranger was closer than the closest relationship in their life. Wow. That reminds me of that app. There's an app about, I think it's like 70 questions. Maybe it's only 50 something questions. And it's for, for relationships, for people to fall in love again, or anybody can fall in love if they, if they ask each other these questions and you each listen to the answers. Yeah, it is because the reason that it works, because so I do the game I created was in a group. So I stretched it out to more than one-on-one, but the reason that this stuff works 
um, for people is the fact that if an anonymous, like your uh, phone or a card asks a question, you will answer that and be vulnerable because you don't feel like someone's judging you and asking it. But if the same person were just to ask you it out of nowhere, you'd feel like there was some agenda. Because I've I've actually spoken to many people as I've been doing this, um, and I've watched it in groups of people um, unfold. And also in today's society, people don't ask questions of each other very much, right? I mean, I I also rolled out like about three weeks ago. I was like, okay, let's just see if this works with people who really know each other exceptionally well, um, who've been married or friends for over 20 years that have been like really good, like best friends. And every the 10 people I gave it to all said that they learned a lot of important information about that individual that they didn't know by by running through what I gave them. And I thought that was pretty incredible. Right. And I think it just goes to the fact that we don't really have the same types of communication as we did before uh, with social media. Yeah, it's so. so true. So let's talk about the importance of this, especially in, you know, you're working with entrepreneurs, um, the importance of having successful relationships, because there are some people that might be like, "Eh, I don't care, you know, you don't have to like me, you don't have to, (laughs) you're not my friend, you're just my employee, you know, that type of thing. Why are relationships so important in business? And what are the boundaries? Right. So if you take a look at why it's important in a business setting to get people to like each other based on my talk. Like one of the other um, studies that I, I delve really deep into and I, I learned a lot from was Google. They they did a pro, the project Aristotle, which was trying to figure out how to build the perfect team. And they hired researchers from all the live Ivy League schools and I think spent three or four million dollars over a three-year period of time trying to study people at Google. And they did not find any like individual traits. It wasn't about IQ. It wasn't about perseverance from individual. It was all about the team. And the only quality that they found that stretched across every single high-performing team was psychological safety. Mm-hmm. And that's the ability to share personal information, um, raise controversial ideas, and to ask questions without fear of reprisal. Right. right. So... That's right. So the key, if you don't have relationships with people, you will not be successful in any organization. Right. And they've done other studies. They did, I read another study recently. They, they, they looked at fund managers on Wall Street that had um, exceptional performance. And those as those fund managers changed organizations, over half of them never were able to reach the success they had previously. And, it, and they related it back to the team. So your ability to be successful is based on other individuals. It is not based on you alone. So your relationships with those people will make or break you over time. Yeah. But just the way that it flows. So you have to be able to build great relationships with people. And that requires you to be vulnerable with them and get to know them inside and out in an organization. So one of the things that I help my clients with is that I told people that these days people are looking at 
a business and an organization, if they're working inside of it, that is their family. That is everything because 40% of people now are lonely. It's the highest loneliness level that's ever been recorded. Um, and this is people who have, you know, zero to one close friends in their life or people that they can actually talk to about anything. So work now has become personal and professional. Mm -hmm. So you need to get to know people inside and out in a business because that is how you're going to motivate people and get people to actually care significantly more about their work product and what else happens. So you as a manager and leader in a business have to do that. Plus, the other thing about it too is that since I work in large organizations and I see this, people's personal lives that you manage are your responsibility because they will impact the business probably more than any other single thing, right? Because oh, I've worked yeah. with the woman, right? Because if you if you have an employee who's going through divorce, I guarantee you they're there sixty percent. So you're if you're paying them, you know, if you're the CTO in a company, they're paying a half billion dollars to. You're probably getting two three hundred thousand dollars of work out of it now. How you have to intercede and help that person, right? So not understanding what's going on is also not going to be helpful. So. Building these relationships are essential to get to people's core, right? And that's what you need to do. And also, most people do a horrible job of building relationships outside of their core business. I mean, entrepreneurs are a little bit different, but I'd also say not really. I mean, they also don't do a very good job. And I think it's because you don't design ways in order for you to maximize meeting people in the shortest amount of time. Mm -hmm. Right. And I say that because I do this and go out and the easiest way and the best place to meet people hands down. And I never people talking about this. It's not masterminds. It's not events. It's charities and nonprofits, meaning museums, symphonies, and opera. Because that is where the wealthiest, most successful people all go. It's the only place, in fact, that they do. Because I know that I, because I go, because I went to opening night um, uh, at the symphony. Yeah. Jerry Jones, owner of the Cowboys. Mark Cuban was there. Um, they had a bunch of the top CEOs in Dallas were there, right? I mean, right. like, that's probably the only place that you were going to find that many people that are in one place. So that's how you get, you have to get in the right room. And I think because that's the shortest time to meet people and people with they're not going to spend time and the resistance is so high to doing anything that you have to maximize the minutes that you spend with people. All right. And it's also how you interact with them and what well, yeah, you do I was with gonna them. Say and, how, and what are what are some things? What are some tips or advice? You know, if I only have a few minutes to interact with somebody, what is it that I want to do to make sure there's like a, a meaningful connection? Yeah. So I think the thing is, is that if you take a look and understand how to build a relationship in a super high level way, then it's more helpful than actually along with doing the things. And what I found is that there's three areas that you have to get to, to create some urgency for someone to follow up with you. And that's building rapport, likability, and trust. And mm -hmm. if you build those, you will get an urgency for someone to follow up with you. Because the reality is, is that with busy people, you have to create an urgency because you are fighting against the priorities and needs and wants of people in their inner circle or people very close to them. And you have to get to that place for them to put those aside and put you in the mix. And so, you know, when it comes to rapport, the key thing is you need to talk about what other people love. And the way that I do that, and you can ask them right away is I ask all the time. So what are you most excited about in your life? 
Like, what are you most passionate about? Or you can ask them, like, what projects are you working on that you're most passionate about? Because then you find out what makes them tick, what's top of their mind, and you can talk about that agenda item with a time with them. And that's the key. It's not about you. It's about them. And even if you don't know anything about it, you can mention if you have friends that are doing it. Um, you can ask them questions of why they like to do it. You can just ask really anything at that point. And the key is, is that how you build relationships is that we're all emotional. We're not logical, right? And if you look at all the research, it's we lead with emotions. That's how you get people um, to care about you in any relationship, right? Emotions driving the car, behavior and cognition are sitting in the back seat. Right. So once you do that, you will be able to take that relationship to the next level. And then likability, it's just simply you just have to listen and be present, right? Because yeah. most people are looking around and 93% of communication is nonverbal. So if you're looking around or doing it, people sense that you don't care. Um, and it's it happens all the time. And with trust, the, the key paradigm there is on caring. I mean, that's the one thing of trust. You, there's a lot of other factors, but trust is the caring is the one that trumps them all. And how you do that is you try to help someone, right? You may introduce them to someone else. Maybe you buy them a drink. Maybe you just give them a suggestion on a book or something else. I mean, it can be the smallest level of stuff, but the key is, is that in six, when you're dealing with successful people, um, if you lead with giving, you show them that you get it, one, two, the only people in their life that typically give to them are people in their inner circle. So psychologically, you place the, yourself in that area because that's the only way that it happens. I mean, yeah. people are... And those situations are always taking. And if you ask successful people what they're most afraid of is getting taken advantage of. So if you're dealing with high-level people, you've got to realize that's their greatest fear. And the way that you overcome and disarm them is giving. And giving can be simple, right? It can be – like you can introduce – I do all the time. I introduce strangers to strangers. That's how you can give. You don't even need to know anyone to introduce them to. And it doesn't even need to be the right contact. It can be just anyone. Yeah. Because people – always want to meet other people. That's the other thing that people always forget. It's like if I ask people saying, hey, do you want to go and meet some new friends or this or that? They might say, oh, I don't know. But there's a fear of missing out on meeting a person if I introduce them, saying, hey, do you want me to introduce you to this person at an event or something? They'll always be yes, because they don't know where that's going to lead to. Right, the fear of exactly. missing out is so high that they'll be willing to do that. Oh, yeah. So what... Where are the clients that you work with? Where are they usually at that they seek your help? Well, the problem is a lot of people usually aren't, right? Because it depends on where you can go to like events like that to meet them. And that's probably the highest propensity to meet people in general um, out and about. But people do a really poor job of networking. So a lot of it's times it's through referrals. Um, or reaching out in different ways that I might be doing things. Um, but it's just really funny because if I look at all my corporate clients, almost none do networking. Interesting. It tra I mean, traditional networking, if I put it in quotes, right? Like almost none. Like yeah. it's, it's, close to, it's as close to zero as zero can probably be overall. If you take, I mean, it just isn't happening. I mean, I, I know this because I go through, I went through one of my companies and I walked around and talked to people and asked them, so when's the last time you've gone to a group in some form or another to seek out sort of relationship building with other people? And the answer is like always no. 
because we the company doesn't really well. care about it, right? They don't real, you know, they're not doing anything to make that happen, and their and managers are not telling you to do those types of things either. So then people don't do them, right? And an entrepreneur does them because they have no choice. They're backed in a corner and they have to do some of it. Yeah, but that's the only reason they do it too. Not because they're doing it proactively. There's a very small amount of people that do that as well, right? And so you can see the I difference just, in a in a team that has totally. leadership that actually sends them out. You know, if you go somewhere and they're like, "Oh, you know, we we were all sent here together." You can see like the bond and the closeness that they have, as opposed to right. those that don't that are just at the office every day. <laughs> yeah, because the thing about it is, is that if you don't. The most successful people get diverse opinions around them that challenge their assumptions, beliefs, and introduce new ideas. Mm -hmm. And most people are just living in an echo chamber. And that's basically where you surround yourself with like-minded people. You're not getting other opinions to challenge what's going on. Very few people do that. And that's why that eventually those successful people all crater because they don't have anything to counter their current thing. Or what happens is the business is successful and all of a sudden it doesn't, it's not anymore because they're not on the cutting edge. The idea they had at one point was, but because they're not surrounding themselves with other people and in a learning and curiosity mode on a consistent basis, eventually this thing dips down and you, and you don't have it anymore. Right. Totally. So what are the things that you're doing with your clients? Are they, when you do start working with them, are they in the position that they're, you know, either trying to figure out, is this what I really want to be doing, that they they feel stuck or that they're not, um, their business isn't growing the way they'd like? What are the different scenarios? Well, it's probably that. It's, it's it, I, you know, I found that one of the ch- really big challenges that people have is that if you don't know what it is you're going to do next with some level of certainty, whether even if that's right or wrong, it causes you significant amount of stress, right? I was just talking to a COO client of mine in a really large company that was going, that thought he wanted to be the CEO in a few years. And then he started to question it. And the ramifications were that um, over the last few months, gone home earlier, um, hasn't hasn't done work on the weekends. Has been more stressed, right? And this is something three, four years out, right? And that's typical where you don't have the blueprint of what you're going to do next. It causes you significant stress and usually um, negative behaviors. You check out of your own life, right? I yeah. mean, I've had CEOs that have been surfing the web of large companies. That if they people found that out, and I wouldn't share that, but I mean, people would be like, I, I can't believe that's possible because they're bored. Yeah. And they don't want to do work. Right. So that happens in people who have, you know, poor performing teams and they're having leadership challenges with their board or other people or sales managers or leaders that are having problems motivating their team or getting the performance and the results. Right. It's all those types of things. And and usually almost, almost always it's never what they think it is. Right. So if someone comes to me with a leadership issue um, it's always something that's internal to them, right? I mean, change comes from the inside out, and that's the problem with most of the people who do what I do. They don't really spend enough time up front doing sort of deep self-inquiry, or I call it like mini therapy with people yeah. to really find out about their backstory, I mean, going on from early on and finding out where their current challenges lie and what goes before them, right? It's not that. And an, easy, an example I'll give you is that I was working with a sales team and 
couple years ago and a woman came in, I was a sales manager and wanted to sell more. And that's like typical, right? So as we delve down in it, the issue came to was the fact that when she was growing up in high school and college, her grandmother and mother made fun of her voice, right? It's a woman who's in her mid thirties and she has a high pitched voice. And they basically said to her, you aren't going to be successful and you're never going to get married because your voice is so loud or, or high pitched. You need to change your voice. And every time she's got on the phone, she's it's like nails on the chalkboard. And it's Ooh. amazing that she was able to do what she was able to do. And so the simple thing in that scenario to turn that all around was just to have her tell every prospect and every client that that's what she was in sales and tell the story to them, right? In a brief form when appropriate. And in less than 30 days, it changed it all around, right? Because then she... That story owned her, and now she owned the story. And that her new narrative was that was propelling her to the highest levels, right? And then that she's been crushing sales for like the last two years, like, and it's been even easier than ever before because people eating out of her hand. Because whenever someone, you know, everyone wants to be vulnerable, but no one wants to lead. And when you lead with vulnerability with people, they open up and tell you everything, right? Because no one does that to them, even complete strangers or people you know really well. Um, you can have amazing conversations that you never had before. I'd love to hear some of the, I know that you, you do a lot of sales training. Um, are there any kind of like secrets you can, you can give to us for those people that are selling, selling a service, for example, a lot of people that uh, listen to the podcast are, you know, in the business of either coaching or selling some type of service, marketing, that type of thing. What are some what are some juicy secrets you can share with us? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things is that in doing all the sales training again, it's not, I mean, if you haven't gotten the fundamentals and understand how to do all that, well, that's one thing. But for successful people, meaning I would say people at a sales manager, director, and above level, it's all internal things that are stopped. It's your blind spots. And you have to identify what those blind spots are and where they're coming from because those are the true things that are holding you back, right? I mean, like I worked with a person whose issue was they weren't listening. And the reason they weren't listening was not because they were a bad listener. It's they grew up in a house of five kids. And the only way they ever got heard was talking over the other person. And <laughs> yeah. so, right? So talking <laughs> through that and getting to that point and having them realize that then that changed everything. And then they became a much better listener and a better manager. So those blind spots are the things that are going to give you the most lift as you identify what they are, because that's the real thing holding you back. Finding some new sales you know, technique or strategy will give you incremental lift at that point, but it won't give you exponential lift. Right. And so I would do that. The other thing about it is that the law of reciprocity really works with people, meaning that if you help someone that especially you don't really know very well, people feel indebted to you. Um, and it's like one of the laws of influence. So if you go and lead with giving with a prospect and do something nice for them, they are going to want to do something back to you. And it even can be for a current client, right? Yeah. So, um, that's really sort of helpful. And, uh, there's a book and now I'm drawing, um, a blank on the name. We can put it in the show notes, um, it, it, oh, it's called giftology and it's a great book and I give it to my clients and it is amazing. If you give the right gifts to people, um, and you have to 
and, and the book goes more into depth on this, on how to do it is by a guy named John Ruin. Um, you can do some pretty magical things for people, right? When you get to know them and help them, right? I had a CEO of mine who loves the Patriots. So I found out a Bill Belichick helmet. I had a look around. It was, it was really hard to find an actual Patriots game helmet with his name on it. I had to go through a charity auction, and it was, that was even hard to find. And I got it to him. And it's like sitting on the middle of his desk right behind him. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's that's and those are the things for salespeople and stuff to the right people that you have to calibrate and do because that shows people that you care. It's not yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter how much it is, but it's more important that you line a gift. And he loves Bill Belichick and talks about him like in manager in meetings with his executive team, right? Yeah. Um so I know this. Um, I mean, I think that's one of the most powerful things. And uh, Eric and I, my business partner, we've, I mean, it, it never fails. So if there's, if there's a relationship you want to make, if there's a connection you need, a, like a customer you're trying to, to gain, the, the coolest thing about giving is that it immediately, like you were saying earlier, it immediately opens them up, kind of softens them. <laughs> And they they do have that trust for you. And I think it's funny how there's a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs that they're pretty quick to spend dollars on marketing, you know, their digital marketing or whatever it is, because they'll they'll see the ROI there. And really that's essentially what you're doing when you're getting a gift. It's it's really like it's a marketing expense in a sense. Oh, you know totally. what I mean? It's, so it's a you, total marketing expense. Yeah. And you if you just look at it that way, because I think some people kind of it's you gotta switch that perspective of wait, I have to give something for free, but I would normally like that costs money, you know, and, but you just spent all these thousands of dollars, <laughs> you know, on your Facebook ads or whatever it is. So if you think of it that way, and then you will see, I mean, it's immediate, you see the return that, that you get from that. And the thing is too, is when you give that way, people are so likely to refer you because they have such trust in you. You've just started off this whole relationship on a really like on a strong foundation. Yep. And I'd say the last thing you can do is if you're a salesperson and you have you have a team of people is to get together and sort of run the type of game I was talking about where you get people to start answering questions about themselves in a group. Because what happens is, is that pe- empathy is formed not through having common experiences, it's common emotions. Meaning that I don't need to, you know, you may have had a parent who died and I may not have anyone who's died, but I, but everyone's felt loss at some level. Right. 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 And when you can have empathy at a, at a emotional level with people and bond at that form, um, and people are vulnerable, the collaboration, communication, um, problem solving and performance all goes up because one, you've just done psychological safety Two. I mean, because I did in my speech, I read dozens and dozens of research that they've done in depth on teams. And that is exactly how you increase performance from people um, and that will work significantly harder and more in order to be successful. Because when you really think about it, and I've asked my clients, people who work for them, why do they stay up to 2 a.m. doing emails and doing work? It's not for their personal success. It just isn't. I know people always say, well, that, why would they do that? And I'm like, it's not. The number one reason they stay up that late is because they don't want to disappoint the other person. 
Oh. And that's how, and that's how, and that's, and that's what you do as a leader by creating, caring, and doing this. People will work astronomical hours for you and do it because they don't want to disappoint you. And that's why caring as a, as a leader and as a manager is so critical because you will suck every ounce of performance out of that person because they're leading with that, right? Because that's in, they're in a contribution mindset at that point, right? Which is also a very powerful one to be in because then they're willing to go into more uncertainty than they are just for themselves. Right. And that's just the logic of life, right? So, um, but that's when I talk to people and that's one of the realizations I found a couple years ago through doing this. It wasn't, I thought it'd be some other answer. And then I started to put the dots together and I'm like, well, no, people are doing this because they don't want to disappoint the other person. Yeah. And that's the powerful thing of, of how you have to lead with other people. Yeah, no, that's so powerful. So we've, we've talked a lot about relationships and, um, you know, connecting with others for sales and leadership. I'd love to hear your thoughts on creativity as, as a leader and how to work with that and why it's so important in your business and, and in leadership. Well, I think one of the challenges often is that creativity and innovation is the key because you have to change whatever it is that you're doing, and there's always new ideas floating around, and I think you have to empower them. And most of the times what happens is that organizations are very poor at either mining that information internally or externally, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, because I've seen issues where, you know, corporate office is having a problem solving it. And instead of talking and they're and the people that they're interacting with, like the next managers down, don't have the answers, but the people below them do. Sorry, but people are not communicating that. And that information is not getting up because the second line managers aren't mining their people well enough and asking information and getting the data that they have. Right? right. They just don't ask the questions or they have their own assumptions and they just don't really even care to ask, right? I mean, right. whatever it might be, or even if they get the data, they form something else. So I think part of it is that you have to, you know, be in a room and when you start brainstorming with people, if you're a senior level person, like a little tip is that, or the most senior person in the room is that you speak last. Because if you speak in the beginning, what happens is you poison the well because people will then start to acquiesce and they won't share their own ideas. Yeah. And you usually start with the most junior person and you go around and that way you get all the ideas out on the table and you're better able to figure out what to do with them, right, in a decision-making process because you'll actually get them all rather than not. And I think that's an important part of you know, creativity is just getting it. But also it's about rewarding people for innovation. And I think it's like before we talked about is that like, you know, it's getting people in the organization to go to outside events. It's going, doing other things that will start to spur people to start thinking about ideas in new ways. Um, it's getting closer to, you know, customers or partners and understanding their business, right? I mean, I think it's doing a lot of things that you normally don't think about people doing, right? And yeah. getting the create creative juices in their own life going. And every business is a little bit different. And so you have to kind of customize the creativity part to whatever it is that you are doing. But it's essential 
to do those types of activities for people and spend it, right? I mean, Google is a great example. I mean, I think people spend 25% of their stuff outside of their own job just thinking about other ideas and things that they can do, right? I mean, and that's an extreme example for a company, but it makes that company the way that it is because they only need one idea right now, the next big idea in their company to make it worth all that time. Yeah. And they have the create, creative engine is internal, not just external or hoping. Wow, that's so, oops, my little pen dropped. Um, no, there's so, there's so much genius in all of that, that, that you, that you said, and there's so much to, there's so many things to, to think about. And I think, you know, for our listen listeners, I think a lot of them will appreciate this. I do. But it's also a reminder, even as much as we think we might be implementing some of these things within our team and in our in our business and ourselves and our relationships, it's a good reminder that you, there's more that you could be doing because sometimes you just get kind of comfortable with where you're at and you don't, yeah. you might be, are there certain relationships you're neglecting? Are you, you know, starting to hide out and not really get out there and, and meet new people? Um, are you... Are you, you know, think about the problems or the things that happen. Are you thinking creatively in terms of how to solve them? And think of your team. When was the last time you really connected with them and talked to them and asked them how their day was? Yeah. <laughs> you know, how's yeah, the exactly. family? <laughs> the key thing is, yeah, no, 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 exactly. And if the, those are the key things is because you want to figure out personally for people, those are really critical questions. And then asking questions like, so what do you think we could do around here better? Like what changes do you think may be helpful for this organization or team or whatever it is? What challenges do you see? How, how would you solve that? And you right? will get the best. I mean, you will get such yeah. great feedback. We do that a lot. There was, there was a whole, uh, I think it was on, maybe it was 2020, maybe it wasn't 2020, but there was a whole special. It was kind of like a mini um, documentary on you're, you're asking your frontline and the kind of feedback that companies were getting because they often just kind of look at that top tier and just speak to each other instead of actually going to the people that are interacting with your, you know, the people that are answering the phones, the people that are selling for you, the people that are producing for you. And um, you learn so much because you're not, you're in a different space every day of what you're doing. And most likely if you're an entrepreneur, if you're at a, you know, at that higher level, you're probably not running your business in terms of the day-to-day operations. You're probably, you know, speaking to other people, trying to get some strategic partnerships going, and you forget to ask the people that are actually running it day-to-day that actually will have the best feedback for you. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I have clients of mine do is just walk around the office and talk to people because they don't. Yeah. They yeah. live in an insul they, they insulate themselves and they have no interaction, even though the people are five feet away. Right. And the problem with that is is people are much less willing to go and tell you when there are problems or challenges or bring up solutions if you don't. And every time I basically what I have them do for 30 days, set 15 minutes on their calendar to walk around and say hi to people. And I say, I'm not even going to give you any questions to ask. I'm just going to have you go around and do whatever. And you tell me in the 30 days what the difference is. And every single person I've had this do, and it's been several dozen people at least, all say it's been business changing. Because the information flow that they have gotten and all of the other things that have happened out of that 
was just crazy for 15 minutes a day. Not 30, not an hour, not 20, but just 15. And if you had to do it for 10, you would get the same result. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, kind of the theme of this whole interview is creating creating value and and seeing the value in other people and letting them allowing them to feel valued because that's really where the, where the true connection happens is when each other you each appreciate each other's value and people just operate so much so much better when you feel definitely. valued uh-huh. and and you feel your worth yeah definitely and i think it's just something that we all have to do a better job on and i and i don't think it takes necessarily that much more time. It just, you need to ask different questions. Mm-hmm. And it's I think just a that, continuous practice that you just it's do. It's just a continuous practice, right? Yeah. And I think that's, you know, and that's the challenge that we have today is people, right? Because everyone wants it fixed right now. Everyone wants like the ESPN highlight room or the Facebook, you know, news feed. And I'm like, life doesn't work like that. Right. It's a continuous process that you have to go through for the rest of your life. Because if you're a leader and you get promoted to a vice president of sales, well, if you end up running the sales organization, you're going to have new blind spots that you didn't have before that you need to investigate, right? So it's ongoing. You, You don't just remove things and then go to the next place. You have to consistently do what you've done in the past and take it to the next level because it's your responsibility in, you know, growth, your business grows, you're going to have more things come up that may have, that didn't come up before. So you have to have a process of figuring of mastery and understand what to do, because if you're running on autopilot, I guarantee you, you will hit a rock bottom yeah. because every one of my clients it do is that. Inevitable. That's people live your life, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. You go from peak to rock bottom, from peak to rock bottom. And the key for mastery is that, and I've watched people, is that you get your peak, your valleys are halved. So now your next peak is 50% higher than your last one. And that's how you see people who start to have continuously get their lives better, more successful and more fulfilled, right? Because success without fulfillment will never lead you anywhere, right? But to get both, you have to operate in a way where you're having systems, you're getting people, you're getting support, that are going to help you do that process. And if you do that and institute that, and it's not really that hard, it's just you have to have some system, right? Like yep. you would to build a product um, or anything else, right? You've got to have the raw materials. You've got to have people making it, selling. Well, it's all systematized. Well, people just don't think about their life like that. They think, well, I'll just get up and I'll do this stuff and it'll go work. And I'm like, no, it won't. Because eventually your skills and abilities run out and you hit a ceiling and then when you hit that ceiling, your life just craters at that point. Yeah. You have you have so, so much incredible knowledge on all of this. Where can we send our listeners to learn more and, and really get them to stand out and create more intrigue with others and, and build those relationships and get more advice on all of that? Where can we send them? Sure. You can go to my website, which is Jason treu.com and there's tons of materials on there um and my coaching services and my book social wealth and then if you go to cards against humanity or cards against mundanity.com okay you can go get my uh, team building game and download it with instructions oh, awesome uh, i didn't even know there was along. a team building game okay we're gonna it's have links a great one 
we're gonna have yes. links to all of this you also have you know a great youtube channel all kinds of good stuff that we'll make sure we have in the show notes and in the blog yep. post um jason thank you so much this was awesome and really really important Thanks. to hear so thank you for sharing Thank you for listening to today's Get Genius. You can learn more about The Draw Shop at www.thedrawshop.com, on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Your home for kick-butt custom whiteboard marketing videos. Your ideas come to life. Thanks for listening. Please share, comment, and make any suggestions for future genius guests.